I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. And I am Scott Herzog. And I am Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we are going to be discussing Mentats of Dune, the second book in the School of Dune series by Frank Herbert, or not Frank Herbert, but Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. They were channeling Frank Herbert. They were like, oh, (laughs) a little incantation going on. We know, you know what it was, is I think that um, Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert drank the water. A water of life, and we're hearing the voice of Frank Herbert in their head as they wrote this book. Yeah, I'm convinced that's what happened. It must have been. It must because I mean they were they took the pill, the (laughs) the Rossack drug, and just totally totally did it. It totally did it in. I mean, Reverend Fathers. Yeah, the Reverend exactly Reverend Reverend Fathers. (laughs) uh, Most definitely. Um, And you know what? I I really wish that I would have taken this drug so I could go back and remember actually everything that I read because. Holy Hannah, we were supposed to record a month ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, we all did. Read the book, and then life happened. Just got, yeah. just held us back a little bit, and uh, that'll happen sometimes. Yeah. It's summertime, yeah. everyone's got more time, which means they're doing more things, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, uh, just a, there's a couple things that happened in this book, just a few. Just a few. One or two. Um, so, main storyline, we've got uh, uh, Gilbartus. Albans, yeah, I struggle with his name. Gilbertus, Gilbertus Albans, uh, and his Mentat school, and basically the struggle with him uh, trying to run the school to hide Erasmus, um, to try and cure the emperor's sister, all while not coming across as a machine sympathizer, machine lover. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he walked a very, very thin blade. Yeah, and we're going to get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another story we got going is the sisterhood has been split in half since the end of the last book, and kind of dealing with um, how do they move forward, how do they repair that that split uh, that's been caused as the first Reverend Mother prepares to die. Um, and then we've got uh, Jeff. Is it Jeff? Joseph. Joseph. Joseph Venport. Yep. And Norma Senva. Uh, kind of the beginning of the guild going on and uh, his strangling of spice and travel and how that affects basically the whole trade uh, of the universe. Verse Half Manford Toronto. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, who is taking his crazy to the next level with uh, wanting to get rid of technology. So those are the, those are the big things kind of going on. The emperor is kind of caught in all of this. Um, that's a, a very brief summary of what kind of stuff now we are, we of course have a Vorian also kind of oh yeah kind of very Vorian. small amount of Vorian kind of kind of trying to find his way and uh, he decides to make retribution to the Harkonnens yeah but uh, stupidly doesn't ever take credit for anything so <laughs> it's like hindsight twenty twenty you know how much how much damage control it could have done to have let him them know what he did but anyway we'll get into that i'm sure yeah so. yeah all right well very good well yeah. uh so uh, reading through this book i don't know it's been a while everyone but i want you to think about uh, initial thoughts and impressions about this book this follow-up to sisterhood what was happening here what'd you like what didn't you like etc just a real brief overview. Let's start with you, Jim. You're on the spot. Okay. I I really, really enjoyed this book. Um, it was fun to read. Uh, there was a lot of action and a lot of neat things going on. Um, and as always, uh, my favorite part of the story was anything having to do with uh, Vori and Atreides. <laughs> yeah. And any time that uh, Manford got slammed was also another time. <laughs> I hate. Yeah. I hate Manford, <laughs> and I would kill him myself if I had the opportunity. Yeah. All right. How, how about you? Okay, so I also very much enjoyed this book. One of the things I liked about it is it was it felt like a fast read. Um, it was uh, there was a lot going on. Yet, at the same time, it didn't feel too fast. I, I don't know how else to explain it. I think the only downsides of my first impression of this book were a couple times the quotes before the chapters directly referenced things that you had read a couple chapters ago. And by directly referencing, I mean it was literally the same exact thing that you just read. And um, that, I don't know, I was kind of like, ah, oh, it seems a little easy. Uh, and uh, the only other downside was when um, the sister went to the Guinness school. And at first, when I they said they were going there, I was like, oh, this is going to be really exciting. The instant she was there, I was like, oh, I'm so done with this place. Just from all the time we spent there with Duncan and everything, I just I was done. And uh, we, when we talk about her, we can talk more about that. But Yeah. You know, I too, I too really enjoyed this book. I thought that it was, and maybe not one of my favorite, but still a very well put together book for my enemy, for my for my end of things. I agree with Jim. Avorian continued when we got back to Vorian, when the storyline was circled back to Vorian. I'm like, ah, oh, this is nice, you know. <laughs> or I could say Erasmus too. When Erasmus came in, you're like, oh yeah, Erasmus. And so some of our familiar characters. Um, I really enjoyed. It's funny. I just finished a book by Brandon Sanderson, um, Way of Kings. It's the uh, Stormlight series. It's the second one. I forget the title right off the bat. But I, I found myself comparing Mentats 
to this because in Mentats, you have the Carinos that are kind of running things, right? And uh, you have the, the the emperor, but then you have his brother who is much more of an emperor than he is. Well, in this book that we have, that I'm reading right now, that I just finished by Brandon Sanderson, you have the king and then you have the king's uncle that is much more of a king than this king is. Mm-hmm. And so that parallel I was kind of drawing between the two. But I, but, but without uh, coming back to the Dune universe, um, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely had a good time. Fun to see the Cymex back in action. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, well, there's right. a lot of characters to break into here. So Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Lead us. Okay. Everybody's favorite dysfunctional family. <laughs> The Corinos. They ought to. They ought to do a TV series. The Corinos. <laughs> the Corinos. Yes. Be like the Kardashians. Emperor, yeah. But. Yeah. Emperor Salvador finally stepped in it, eh? Yeah. I mean, he had. He just kept going further and further down the paranoid road. Yeah. He. You know. He was paranoid. Um, but. You know, that being said, you know, they're in the event that eventually got him, like when he gets to Arrakis, right? And he gets, you know, everything kind of implodes. He was at least trying to bring, I mean, one of the reasons he went there is because they they did all that legislation on the uh, spice mining operations in order to try and give control back to the central government, um, whether you agree with that or not. But the idea that, he saw these two factions. He saw Venport, and then he saw you know Manfred Toronto, and them going at it. And what he was trying to do was to try and bring back some sense of balance to the central government. Now it backfired holistically in his face, but it uh, but that was his attempt. And so I think there was something noble in this in these last moments that we get from him. Um, that being said, I, I, he was not my favorite emperor. No, um, and I actually mm-hmm. was kind of rooting for Roderick the whole way. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, he didn't think his he didn't think through what he was what he was doing, and I think that's. I mean, that was his downfall. I mean, Roderick helped him so much, and in this, even Roderick was like, like this isn't the wrong decision, but we need to think before we launch, and he just made a blank well, statement. Salvador continually depended on Roderick. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Salvador says, no, I'm going to assert myself and makes all the wrong decisions. Heads off to Arrakis with this big entourage like it's some Riviera vacation <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> and and didn't even have a still suit. I mean, the guy was a moron. Yeah. 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 Am I the only one who felt like their names should have been switched? Salvador seems like such a badass name, like oh Emperor Salvador. Well, Ooh. you have that you have kind of the right. root of what salvation kind of in that name and, yeah. and a little bit Salvador. So, and, and so he's not. Right. He, and he's not. But uh, Roderick but but that being said, uh Roderick has a great head on his shoulders. Yeah. And I loved the fact that Roderick wasn't seeking the throne. If you would, if there would have been a subplot of him wanting to get the throne from his brother, I mean, I mean, maybe it would have been good, but whatever. It it just feels like it's played out, especially in the Dune 
universe, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that that was not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Roderick was very happy being the power behind what was going on with without trying to usurp power. Yeah. yeah. You know, here's he the thing, He knew what though. his brother was about. Right. Yeah, he did. And, you know, um, uh, Manfred Toronto knew that if he could somehow control the emperor without Roderick, that he he tried to separate Roderick and the emperor. Didn't he at one point when he came in? Mm-hmm. Tried to make the emperor make his own decisions without Roderick being there. Oh, yeah, the, the, yeah. when he came in to demand. Yeah. yeah, when he was trying to demand. Yeah. And so there was that. Yeah. Hate Manfred. How about uh, Kimada? <laughs> torque Kimada? You can't torque him out of anything. <laughs> no. Uh, Kimada and Dorotea and their their little spat. Uh, okay, so refresh my mind, uh, Kimada. That's the Empress, right? He was, uh, well, no, Kimada was the oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was the soup doctor that oh, did the torture. Oh, the torturer and the torturer and the truth there, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Right, and he got caught with his fingers in the cookie jar. Yeah, he did. Well, you know what this really, what this, what this book really did was develop that whole, the truth sayer and voice, truth saying and voice. These two elements, you would expected them to be really developed in the sisterhood book, but it really wasn't until Mentats we really saw the impact and power of these two abilities. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. um, truth saying, you saw the full impact of that in their little showdown. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see like the development of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, although I didn't like Dor- Dorotea because of her Butlerian sympathies, right? Mm-hmm. I liked that aspect of her story and what she was doing. Well, then another. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I'm, I'm done. Oh well, another thing that Kimada opened the door to was remember what he got caught for. He was selling human body organs. Parts. Yeah. To, yeah. the, to the future Thlulax mm-hmm. is what got him in trouble. Yeah. So not only does is he responsible for starting that, he's also responsible for bringing about the training and the conditioning for the souk doctors. Was he the one training them? No, he was not training them, but if you recall yeah. Salvador. Oh, the reason why. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So he he's the reason why that that conditioning came about. Well, you know, Dorotea in the end, and we're jumping ahead here I, a little bit, but go ahead. I thought the reason for the conditioning was the in the last book. Didn't someone try and assassinate the 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 uh, emperor? And the guy said uh, the conditioning. We have this imperial conditioning, and he said conditioning sounds like a machine. Well, you you could be right. Things are kind of melding together. A well, you know, you know what it was that one that one girl, the um, sisterhood sent to the emperor to poison him. That's what it was, and uh, yeah. she got caught. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so you know, about, uh, but, but, but let's talk. Let's talk Dartea yet. Dartea, oh, in the end, uh, you know, gains control of the sisterhood through the use of. No, it's not. Does she? Gain control of the sisterhood? No, the, it's the, other, the other one. one does. Valia. And so Dorotea, does she eat it at the yeah. end? Yeah. She bites it at the end? She bites it at the end. She bites it. All right. Well, yeah, Valia 
uh, stabs her or throws a knife at her. No, right. she, she compels her to commit suicide. Right. Or, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, I thought it was the other way around for no. some reason. And the fog comes down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Harkonnen the takes <laughs> Yeah, it was the, I forgot about that. And so there's this, this yeah. dual agenda that he, she's kind of uh, going for here. Well, she yeah. has her own sisterhood started up, and it's sanctioned by the emperor, and so she's training new. Well, that's Dorotea. Dorotea, yeah. yeah okay. so, aren't we talking about Dorotea? Well, we just got talked talking about Boya, so I was wondering oh. if I was on the right page. Okay. <laughs> so Dorotea's got her own sisterhood going on, yeah. but there are people who are Butlerian sympathizers yeah. only. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then the mother Raquella. Brings them all in, yeah. which we'll get to when we get yeah, to the sisters. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. And then uh, we move on to Venport and his crew: Drago, Ptolemy, uh, Norma. I really liked the Venport um, stuff. Well, okay, so yeah. one of the things that I really enjoyed about this book was how little. Manford, we got what he was still prominent because this book spends a lot of, I mean, usually they spend a lot of just making story for all the characters and the last book had a lot of Manford in it, a lot, a lot of Manford in it. And this mm-hmm. book didn't quite need as much story for him as much as it was him reacting to stuff the other guys did. So after a book of seeing so much Manford, it was great to spend a lot of time with uh, Venport. And I also appreciated, because we complained about in the in the other book, that uh, it was about the sisters, but it didn't feel like it was about the sisters. This book does spend most of its time on the Mentats yeah. in some form. And, and Ven, Venport had a Mentat with him. So yeah, was, that's what Drago. Yeah, Drake. So it was still very relevant. So and not, not only that, but had the uh, had like the right hand man of Gilbertus. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So I I, I liked the yeah. way that his story felt more tied in to the whole Mentats theme yeah. that was going on. While I also enjoyed um, the rivalry and his side of the rivalry, what he was doing there. You know the yeah. the, the with um with Venport. You know, you're kind of at a catch-22 with Venport, at least for me. Like, I love Venport. I love the storyline of Venport. He's obviously manipulating the system. Mm-hmm. He's, t- you know, every, you know, Manford's giving his creed that he wants people to listen to, and Venport has his, and, you know, Venport's promising medicine, and, you know, that, that, that whole deal, Spice and so on. Um, at the same time, uh, Venport is playing a very dangerous game with the Cymax. Uh, you know, because what that's where Ptolemy's storyline comes in, right? Yeah. So Ptolemy's storyline, and and while I love the the Cymax, you know, this journey for us started with reading those first three books, yeah. the Jihad books, and you're like, hey, the Cymax were not good, and um, and and while Venport is saying we can't deny technology, it seems like he's stepping over the line a little bit. Here. Yeah, and you see it kind of bite back with um, those fire, those grasshopper crickets. That's what they were called. Yes, the cricket, and they get yes. loose and they blow up a ship. Right, and and you kind of see like to me, I was I was reading it and I was reading, uh, 
you know, they're getting really close to crossing the line, but Cymex are still people. And then they introduced those machines that were able to think enough to find a certain part of another. And I was like, that, to me, that's crossing the, that that is definitely crossing the line. Right. So, I don't know. Well, you know, without, well, Benport, he was pulling strings all over the place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And and I really admire the guy for the way the way he got things done. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the Cymex in themselves, in my mind, would not be evil like they were in, in the Prelude books. What made them that way was Erasmus and uh, Omnius and Agamemnon and all those. Mm-hmm. Well, if Ptolemy gets in charge... Oh, go ahead, Jim. Yeah. And Venport's main um, reason for putting the putting this army together is to just get rid of Manford. He wants Manford out of the way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so that means I'm on his side immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, one of the things that... Um, it's interesting about Venport is, and we find this out basically through the emperor or through Roderick, that Venport is in everything. Like he has his hands literally in the, the banking system, in, in aviation, in spice production. I mean, and yeah. as a Carino, like they have a He's right. like Walmart. They, they have, they have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so this is, <laughs> He has a flying Walmart, basically. You know, and, and, the, and the thing is, the Carinos have a right to fear him because he does, he is, for the rare, all intents and purposes, running the government. Who flies the, the soldiers around? It's Venport. You know? It's, the, the well, crazy and thing he's is, got control of the spice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, he's doing all of these things successfully. Like they're not they're not like mismanaged that we no, know no. of. That, yeah, they're all they're all running themselves quite well, which mm-hmm. really sets the seeds for all of these you know big powers when they break them up to becoming what you know Chom and the Spacing Guild and the and they're able to run themselves whatever the bank was called I think it was part of Chom I can't remember yeah um a banking guild or whatever so it's like you really see all this stuff the only thing. That I felt like was missing, and maybe it will. We'll find out in the next book is that we have not touched on Ix at all in any way, and that just kind of seems uh, odd to me when we're dealing with all this technology. I mean, but I guess maybe they don't become what they are until later. I just yeah, well, Ix doesn't happen until much further down yeah, the timeline. But Ix was always. Uh, wasn't didn't they have a reputation of always pushing the limits? Yeah, yeah. So maybe it develops that reputation later. I don't, I don't know. Thousands maybe, of years. Hey, we have know. one more book to go. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Who knows what's going to happen yeah. there? Who knows what? Who, yeah. Maybe there'll be a trilogy of books on the X. Yeah, the X. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Okay. <laughs> well, we have the sisterhood. We've touched on that a little bit. Raquel, Valia, uh, Valia's sister, Tula, uh, Fiela. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, we have Raquel, of course, uh, her supposed suicide to bring the sisterhood together. 
Oh yeah. Um, and the Martyrdom. one isn't there a one isn't there isn't there a sister that kind of has a precog of what's going to really happen? That's Fiella. Yeah, that's Fiella has that precog that what's really going to happen, and then yeah, yeah. Um, I liked Raquel in this book. I, I I liked her more in this book than I did the last one. I guess because there was an urgency to her. Yeah. Rather than last time, I just droned on and on. Um, even though I really enjoyed the last book. Uh, you know, Valya, I have a love-hate relationship with Valya. Like, I love the the fighting stances that she's joining and how that's all working for her, right? Mm-hmm. But she she has too much Harkonnen. Too much Harkonnen in her. And I have such a bad sentiment with the Harkonnens. Yeah. Here's my problem with Valya, right? Too much of what we know is the strong suits in the sisterhood are feel like they're coming from her. She's got, mm. she's got voice and she's basically discovering the Prana Bindu fighting style. Right. And two things plus she's going to be reverend mother. It's just, I don't know. It just seems like a lot to me to all attribute to one person just happening to develop. Now, if she'd have been in a trade ease, would that have been better for you? I don't. It's just character. <laughs> it's just character wise. <laughs> yeah, she was using everybody around her for that goal of getting back at the Atreides. Mm-hmm. She was not honest with anybody. She wasn't, except for herself. Yeah. A very self-centered person. Yeah, I think if I think if the Atreides were removed, she could be fully dedicated to the school. Yeah, but mm-hmm. well, and and Raquel suspects that. I mean, they, she knows there's something else going on. Yeah, like Tula. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does I don't remember? Does Tula die? Or does uh, she no, she escapes. She gets away. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. She lives to fight another day. <laughs> and now I'll tell you what. Let's move on to Vorian. I want to live on Caladan. <laughs> that's bottoms, bottoms down. That's that is my goal in life is to move to Caladan. There you go. Now we had Shander Atreides. Uh, he was the father of Ori and Wilhelm, and also he welcomed uh, Vorian. To uh, Caladan, yeah, adoptive father, yeah, yeah, and then was was killed, presumably by, of course, Tula. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have Virgil Harkonnen also kind of lumped in there? Lumped in there. I put him in there because. Uh, why did I put him in there? Well, well he, he goes because, back to yeah, he goes back and actually works for. Uh, he he works for Virgil for a while. Vorian does, and here's what I did. You know, I've always hated the Hark the, the Harkonnens and the Harkonnens, uh, but Virgil, there's there's something redemptive because what you do is you see a father who's lost a son, and he's just trying to make an honest living, and this is a uh, this is a pretty big deal. Uh, Scott's bringing up the stuff about how he hates the Harkonnens and how they're usually evil. But if you remember back, like the people living on Lankavel, um, until Fade Rotha and um, the other brother, they were all 
the, like the parents were really nice and like loved the land. It was the, it was the Harkonnens on Giddy Prime that were really the, the evil mm. ones. And you can kind of see the bloodline from Virgil. You can imagine that these people, you know, they may have their seated dislike of the Atreides, but, uh, um, they're not evil people quite yet. Well, you know, with, I think with, uh, Valia and Tula surviving, yeah, they are so poisoned with hate that that is going to lead to the Gidi Prime Harkonnens that we have been, we have learned to hate because I'll tell you what, before that, I did not really hate the Harkonnens. As a matter of fact, I thought Xavier Harkonnen was awesome. Yeah. Well, now, let me ask you this with the, uh, the whole heart, the Harkonnens here. Um, there is one other son left. Is that correct? Yeah. And you would think that the, the Harkonnen line survives through him. Is yeah. that correct? Cause this, this still, despite it being modern, whatever, typically the females don't pass their name on down through. Unless one of the sisters have a bastard son, I guess, which I guess is possible since they're sisters. And we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Well, of course, of course, now Valia Harkonnen is going to be in charge of the breeding records. Right. That is true. So she, she's right. going to know what direction to move things in. Oh, well, yeah. right. Yeah. It'll be, I'm sure we're going to get more of it in the next book. I mean, it's definitely not over. No, so definitely not. It'll be interesting to see if we get a closer look as to how that, you know, how it continues on. Um, yeah. There wouldn't Vorian be any sure had without, a close shave, didn't he? Vorian. Was that Jim? I said Vorian sure had a close shave, didn't he? Yeah. He did. That's <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yes. He's had a couple of close shaves, though. Yeah. <laughs> the, robot, yeah. the robot twins. Yeah. So. It'll be yeah, interesting to see great. where his story goes, because I feel like he's been peppered in here through these two books without really, other than when he demanded uh, protection for his home. Without any real impact on the bigger story. Well, now I, I thought about that as we talked about Vorian. Like, what is the purpose of Vorian in here, other than to help us stay connected? Okay, arguably he's there to help us stay connected to the um, to the um, the uh, the Harkonnens and the Atreides. Uh, the Atreides. Thanks you. The Atreides line. He's helping us stay tied into that because otherwise these books have nothing to do with the Atreides line. Right. And the only reason we're following the, uh, a, and it gives, I guess, I guess it gives the Harkonnens a reason. Yeah. yeah an yeah. enemy. But this well, story, Vorian, this, this storyline is not central, but yeah, he, he was the reason that Abulard Harkonnen had his downfall. Okay. And Aberlurd, in as far as Vorian is concerned, earned his disgrace and earned his punishment. Mm-hmm. Vorian did not intend for that to extend to the entire family. Right. Right. Okay. So I think what Vorian is there for is to show himself being noble, doing his level best to help the Harkonnen family continue on and not punish the entire clan 
because of the disgrace of one person. Well, you know, and and the irony of that is, of course, by the very end of this book, there, uh, you know, he leaves Caladan with, uh, which one's left? Ori, William, William, William? Um, Wilhelm. Well, Wilhelm. He leaves with Wilhelm, and they're on a, they're kind of on a mission now to hunt down the Harkonnens. Yeah. You, okay. Well, here's the hypothesis. Down I, yeah. Here's the hypothesis I had about mid book when uh, she started training Tula pretty hard uh, and stuff. I thought because we haven't been hearing about any other Atreides other than Vorian at, at this point in the book. My theory started to build up that the Atreides line was going to be started by Vorian and Tula. Like that she was going to be sent to get him. And by this, because he looks like he's in his 20s, and she was going to be sent, and she would be roughly in her 20s, and she was going to go to go and fall in love with him. And that would have been the start of the Atreides line on... Caladan. Obviously, it did not happen that way. No, but uh, or at all. <laughs> but I, for a good portion, I was like, I bet you that's going to be the plot twist. They're, they're gonna, they're gonna hook up. She's gonna have Vorian babies. But uh, <laughs> little tradies <laughs> running around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have the Mentat School. Gilbertus. All right. What a tragedy. Yeah, yeah, definitely a tragedy. But let me say this. I'm sticking by my theory from the last show. I'm still convinced that Anna and Erasmus are going to merge as one by the time week book three gets around. The woman we see at the very end of Dune is Anna with, with, with Erasmus embodying her. Okay, this is my... Uh... I'm still there. Antithesis to yours. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, suck it. Suck it, Dave. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> so the whole point of the Kwisak Haderach in the final book with Duncan becoming the Kwisak Haderach, the ultimate Kwisak Haderach, because he merges with Erasmus, um, is the fact that before that there was never a human, uh, human robot synthesis like that ever before. And Erasmus is fully flow metal at that point. So if he was merged with her, he would be not, he would have some biologic to him. Also, that would make more her the Kwisak Haderach than that. Than well, him. so, okay, I hear you. I hear you. But maybe when, maybe it's not so much of a merging here as he takes over her. I could see him. So, like, he takes over her and controls her form. Because Duncan's much more of a, a legitimate merging of the two working together. Yeah. Um, but maybe in this case with um, with Anna, it's more of he comes in and takes over her. I could see him pulling Anna, downloading Anna into his brain. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, and he did bring up the idea of a biological body for himself, so maybe he could take over Anna's body. That's, right. what, that's what I'm kind of saying. But I don't. But I don't think by the time that we see him later, I don't think he's the same form. You don't think it's Anna? No, because it's a hologram. Yeah, it should still be Anna. As the hologram? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I think that's a little stretch. Well, maybe we got to ask Brian. We got to ask Brian. Brian, here we go. Brian would know. 
Yeah, I mean, he okay. only writes it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, after all, he did take the Rossick drug and channeled Frank Herbert. Channeled Frank Herbert. So he knows. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> we have the uh, the free men, and in the person of. Tariff. Hey, can be, before we do that, Jim, do we need to say anything else? We jumped in there and kind of skipped over Gilbertus. Do we need to talk about Gilbertus and the way he's kind of walked oh. the line and tried to please both sides? Sure. Go ahead, Jim. You start. Yeah. Well, hey, Gilbertus, I just I just felt bad for him uh, being caught in the middle the way he was. And, uh, wow, his, his death, that was... Manford more or less tricked him into that, you know. Oh well, you know we're not gonna we're not gonna hurt your school, and your school will continue to exist, and everybody will be safe. Oh darn! We found out that you're a machine sympathizer, so you're gonna have to die. <laughs> I'm surprised that it took him that long to put it together, being that there were there was archival footage of Gilbertus around. Yeah. Also, he had. Yeah. I was waiting for him to discover it in the journals. Yes, I kept waiting. Like, when are they going to read about Gerbertus? And they never read about him in there. Yeah, but I did, I did think about that too. I do like Anna's escape from the planet uh, when she runs into uh, his second command. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Drago. Yeah, I, uh, with the uh, in the beginning, I felt sorry for him having to walk that line and then by the end i th- i thought he was i thought he was being an idiot like after yeah, i agree around the time that drago came to visit him and offered him a way out like right before that i had started to be like all right dude like take it take, like it's, it's no. time yeah, for I, you to leave i was literally almost like shouting at my audiobook come no. on Gil- do it gilbertus gilbertus died like a klingon <laughs> uh, oh yeah he was Oh, he a noble to the death. end. He was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Kapla! They should have given him a bat left. That would have been yeah. great. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. So Gilbertus was the uh, Dune equivalent to a Klingon. Dune equivalent to a Klingon. A warrior's death. <laughs> I like yes. that. I like the learning about the Sappho juice kind of coming into play. Too. Yeah, just a little bit. You oh, saw kind of yeah. the introduction of that. Maybe. Okay, you mentioned the Fremen. Yeah, Tariff and and the other Fremen that went with him, uh, hired by Joseph Benport to sabotage rival company ships. Well, you know, this is one of the areas that you kind of see. Uh, this is one of the areas of Venport that, while you like Venport, you see him as not being entirely noble. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you see, well, he's you a businessman, and you see that come through here. Uh, he, yeah, he is, and you see, uh, you see that in the process, Tariff kind of loses himself, loses his identity, and what it means to be on Arrakis so much so that he kind of goes by himself. He thinks he kills Manfred Toronto at one point, and ends up mm-hmm. not. Right. I, uh, I was glad we didn't get too much into the siege stuff. Kind of, kind of okay with them not the Fremen not being a big plot point to this. Yeah. story and stuff um it was interesting to see the idea of him leaving and then being rejected when he got back and mm-hmm. uh his 
his girl kind of just giving up on life, just dying. Yeah. Just, just like laying outside and dying. That was kind of uh, a rough thing for him. But uh, I thought it was interesting to kind of see, you know, to take that temptation and and you, you can go on an adventure. It kind of reminded me of, I mean, I don't remember if it's a, a Disney story or what it was, but it's like the whole idea of like you can't, you can't go home. And it's not that home's not there, but like the adventure changes you. And right. oh yeah, your you know home will never be the same. So does your adventure really ever end? Like once you take once you right. once you step out, right? So very mm-hmm. true. I mean, the well, only person to really Tara, do it is, is Bilbo. Yeah, it's true. But only very for true. a couple years. <laughs> That's right. And not well, Tara. He, what was? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, what I really thought was neat about this guy is he left Arrakis. He was very happy to see all these really neat things and his friends just absolutely didn't want anything to do with it. I want to go home. I want to go home. And he's like, well, look at this. We've got oceans and we've got water falling from the sky and we don't have to live that way. Yeah. But then the girl was like, had the opposite effect where she was like, I see all this stuff and I don't, I don't want any of it. I can't, I don't want to go home and I don't want to live in this and any of these worlds. I don't want to live basically. (laughs) But, and then finally we can talk about the Butlerians, Manford and Ari and the mob. Yeah. We know you, we know you (laughs) saved the best for last, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, here's my thought. I want to talk about Inari first, if that's okay with you guys. So we have a what Inari Duncan, right? Mm-hmm. Idaho. And, uh, Idaho. Sorry, Inari Idaho. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and when we first meet Duncan, he's kind of in like this disgraced family, right? That's kind of well, they're kind of surviving. They aren't warriors or anything like that, right? No, his family. When we meet in the prequel books, when we meet Duncan. His family is delegates, and they've been betrayed. But they aren't warriors, is what no, I'm saying. No, no, no. They aren't warriors. Yeah, so something has to happen to take Inari from Swordmaster to a family who, who's now whose name is no longer associated with that Swordsmaster. Right. So we're going to see mm-hmm. that, I think, in book three, that transition, that something's going to happen here with the Butlerians, and Inari is going to be like, either a disgraced left destitute or relegated to some other position. I don't know. Maybe she gets totally wiped out. Maybe he's from a different line of Idaho. He could be, but why bring in the Idaho line then? That's true. Well, let's look at the way things have progressed. Okay. Manford, um, starts out being following the rules that machines that imitate the human mind are bad. Mm-hmm. Destroy all those. Okay. As time goes on, he's destroying toasters and microwave ovens and anything that is mechanical. Right. He's trying he's trying to get the galaxy back to the stone ages and he's gone too far. And finally somebody and I think it's Joseph Benport uh is going to win out and we're going to continue or go back to the ideal of 
you shall not make machines that imitate the mind of man. And that's going to be Anari's downfall. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's just an interesting uh, thing to posit there. I think yeah. I think that I think that Venport stuff is going to be too much to the other side, which is going to give a balance. Yeah, give, bring the balance. Give, like yeah, and, and restore and balance to the force. Yeah, balance to, force. yeah. Anakin mm-hmm. <laughs> will obviously come through in the end. That's right. He'll bring balance. He'll bring balance. Right? <laughs> you know, it's okay that he uh, Manfred's killing toasters as long as the BSG toasters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Um, but Butlerians, yeah, we don't need to talk about man for too much. I mean, you see the crusade and you see the, um, you know, what he did on, uh, where were the uh, Kareeners living? What planet? Uh, yeah. So what he, what he did in Seleucus Secundus by inciting the riots, um, the riots on one of the other cities where they kind of take out the uh, machine sympathizers. Yeah. You, you, you see that what he's doing is very brutal. And it's this controlled chaos is what it is. And it's and um that's gonna come back. And what you get that is he in this book, more than the last book, is he recognizes his inability to control, completely control the mob. Yeah. And you also a couple times where he's like, even if I said no, they would turn against me. Yeah, and you also see it here where he's acknowledging his use of technology. And his fascination with Erasmus. Yeah. Well, you know, something else comes to mind. And did you feel the undertones of Anari kind of overstepping her bounds just a little bit? Oh, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She sure. was really, really starting to get pushy, you know. Okay, we need to do this. We need to do that. Or you can't go here. You can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. So, so that going back again to the downfall of Anari, that could lead to it too. She may just decide, well, Manford is not Manford anymore, so I'm taking over now. Right. Absolutely. (sighs) Maybe she's in love with him. I would see more him, more her using a machine. To help him, and then him disowning her. Well, you know, they made a they make a big point to talk about how she's never come against him in public, but only in private does she voice her real opinion. Maybe that changes because we see that she's trying to mother him a little bit. Yeah. So maybe that changes in book three. She comes against him and has to be punished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Well, let's move on. I, man, we talked about characters quite a bit here. We yeah. had a lot more to say than I thought we were going to have <laughs> about these characters. Um, so I know we probably, this might be uh, some territory that we already traveled, but uh, favorite points of plot. What were some What were some moments here that that stuck out to you and made this story come alive for you? Um, David, let's start with you. Hmm. Made the story come out alive. I mean, so much of it. I don't know. I, I felt like I read this book so quickly. It all felt like one big like jump uh, of stuff. I'm 
trying to think of like anything that really like really stuck out. We can come back to you. Yeah, come back to me. Jim, how about you? Uh, the the stuff on Caladan. Oh yeah. Was it was it was so relaxed and and laid back and just people living their lives and trying to earn a living off of out out of the out of the ocean and things like that it it was very calming uh, it was nice until of course um uh, tulip came on the on the scene yeah i was going to say like uh, uncle gets murdered son gets hacked you know whatever so so relaxing jim no just kidding well, <laughs> No, that I hear. You. I, I do hear you, and I hear because when when you initially he's stepping back into world, and what he what they do is they really paint life in Caladan, and so I, yeah. I hear what, I hear what you're saying. I think for and me, I'll oh, go ahead, Jim. Sorry. Yeah, and I I think we're just getting set up for. Um, well, this if the book had come in order, I think we would be getting set up for life on Caladan with the Atreides as Dukes. Yeah. And who knows, maybe that's where book three will end up with him coming back to the only place he really felt was home, even though this is happening. Right. He's going to save the day. And as a reward, he'll ask for Caladan. That's right. Or something. That's right. Uh, Could be. For me, moments, I really enjoyed um, the view into the Mentat school as it was running. Um, I really like the Mentats a lot. And I think one moment, it's it's so small, but I I really enjoyed was when Roderick and, was it the mother-in-law? Yes. Yeah. Yes. They come to visit Anna. And just like the whole interaction where, where uh, Gilbertus goes to Anna and he talks to her and she's very like, Mentat mode, crazy Mentat mode, and then he goes and gets them, and they come in, and she's all like, built herself up to be, try and be as normal as she can be while they're there. Right. And then during that whole time, uh, someone gets eaten right outside the window, and like that whole thing of like how dangerous the Mentat school is at the same time. Mm. I don't know. I really liked that kind of view into the life there, and and how. You know, he, he, uh, Gilbertus is like, well, you know, people get hurt at all the schools and die at all the schools. And right. Why should mine be any different? Right. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, a favorite moment. I can, can I share two? I have two favorite moments. Mm. All right. Okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your permission, David. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, my the first moment I was going to say was Roderick and the loss of his child. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because... You felt, you felt that loss, and you felt that grief, and it was an innocent mistake. And Nanny takes a child out to watch parade. A riot happens, kills the child, the nanny, and you know, hold it. You, you just feel his heart. And you feel his fury toward Man for Toronto, and you understand that. Heck, if my kid that happened. I would be pissed. And you, you're, you're right there with him. It was one of these places where I really connected with the emotion of what was happening there. Mm. So that was the one moment. And I wouldn't say it was like a defining moment, but it certainly did something. and certainly going to play into the long way, the way Roderick will treat 
uh, man for Toronto in the long run. Yeah. You better believe that's going to impact. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, mm-hmm. Then, then the second moment that I really liked was the development of the Simic Walkers and the way they did it this time and the way they use failed navigators to kind of start that. But then even the person and Ptolemy and his one friend get actually put into the assignment Walker bodies and you see him kind of rise to the next level of evolution. And I, and I, I did like that. I did yeah. like that storyline. Mm-hmm. Any other, any other moments for you guys? My second would have been the, the Cymex for sure. Okay. At uh, Jim. <laughs> Well, uh, my second one would be, uh, I would have to go along with David, I guess, the the Mentat school. Oh, yeah. 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 It was great. All right. Well, do we want to talk about themes? Sure. I mean, we've got... A lot of this, we've, we've covered a lot already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the killing of Salvador. Let's talk about that a little bit, because Venport does this and almost gets away with it. Yeah. Almost. Almost. And then doesn't. And then Norma to the rescue. Who's she's always to, to the always rescue. Always to the rescue. It's convenient to have an aunt that just like shows up out of nowhere to rescue you, you know? Yeah. Um, any, any thoughts on that? Well, I don't, I think it's really good um, plot development cliffhanger for the next book. Oh Yeah. And to me, that's it served its purpose to keep me interested. So, well, you, you know that Roderick isn't going to love Man for Toronto now because of his own kid and because of what happened to his brother. Will not love uh, Venport, and eventually will cause all the splitting up. I'm yeah, sure. we'll get into our different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wonder if with Venport getting away, if that isn't the roots for X. Because Ix is kind of a secretive place. You know, it that is be. true. Venport, I mean, Venport's not going to be allowed to do, he's probably not going to be allowed to run the navigation, the navigator. He's not going to be allowed to run the bank. He's going to be ousted, but you better believe he's stored up enough money that he can do the underground. Have his, own, have his own planet, right? Yeah. I bet you you're right. I'm with you in that, Jim. I can yeah. see that. And they do build the ships for the navigators there. So, yeah, you could be onto something. Hmm. I like that <laughs> thought line. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Well, yeah. Any yeah. any of these others that you want to talk about as far as themes go? I think we kind of hit on pretty much everything. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right. Very good. Yeah. Let's move into favorite quotes. And Jim, you want to lead us away here? Or- well, uh, David, your spot is blank in the notes. Do you have any? It is. It is. <laughs> There was a quote. There was a quote that was a direct quote from like two chapters before, and it was uh, Ptolemy just saying one of his one of his things. And it was at that point of the book that I stopped caring about the quotes in this one. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just like I just couldn't. I I don't know. I just stopped paying attention to him. So you're anti quotes in this book. Is in this book, I'm anti. You are anti quotes. Yeah. Well, well, I'm not uh, anti-quotes, Scott. Jim. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have three quotes. All right, so you? couple couple quotes here that stuck out for me, uh, uh, and I like I like these. Absolute rules are for unthinking people. Sheep require fences. Humans do not. Bravo. Yeah, and I it, this this quote made me think of 
the, you know, the quote by Obi-Wan to Anakin, you know, only the Sith believe in absolutes, you know, that, that sort of thing, you know, that the fact that there is a, that there is some, you do have to look at situations case by case and, and evaluate them based on it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I like that quote. Uh, another quote I really liked, human imagination is a powerful thing. It can be a sanctuary from difficult times, a catalyst to change society, or the impetus to create marvelous works of art. Art. On the other hand, an overabundance of imagination can inspire paranoia that impairs one's ability to interact with reality. Mm-hmm. So, thought of our uh, Salvador in that one. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And then uh, the last quote, this is from the, uh, this is from Gilbertus. He says, what do all our accomplishments matter if they do not last beyond our lifetimes? Hmm. Hmm. You know, you think about that, like when we're gone, you know, who's going to care? Yeah. And this coming from a guy who was. Yeah. 300 years, a couple hundred years old. Right. Um, You know, but you know, only, only a few that, people. That sounds kind of fatalist, though. Well, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like, like, okay, the church that I'm, the church I'm part of, just did a study on Ecclesiastes. Talk about a book that is depressing. Like everything's meaningless, you know. And yeah. and so I, I, I thought of that. Like when you're saying, I'm across this quote, like, eh, nothing matters. <laughs> it's meaningless, <laughs> you know. Well, you know. You know, and then then I think about teaching, and it's meaningless, Jim. Well, and and a person feels that way sometimes. <laughs> you, you just you just feel like you know everything is against you. Nothing nothing's going well, and then all of a sudden, uh, someone will say something, or someone will come by after a concert that that was a student years before and they'll say something really neat. You know, it's like, wow, I really miss band. And, uh, you know what well, you did have an impression on somebody at some point. And that's probably the, it's probably the, um, it's probably that impact that lasts beyond. If we want to talk about living life and our legacy, it's, it's what we impart to those that follow us. And then, mm-hmm. and then them imparting that same knowledge or learning beyond them, and that's probably the way we live on. Otherwise, yeah. See, we're now, Scott, you, you don't you don't uh, experience any of the disappointment as a teacher because you teach all the uh, advanced placement kids, right? Yeah, absolutely. They, they, all the AP and um, no, that, that's yes, that's not true at all. But but you're right, Jim. And there are there are students that will come back that 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 do make it worthwhile, but. Um, and many times well, it's hear- not, it's not the English that I'm teaching them that they remember it's moments it's them being in my class or that me valuing them. Oh yeah. Well, so. yeah. And my son, for instance, he's a, he's a Schwann's man. Uh, he goes down to the town where I teach and, uh, being, we share the la- the same last name that opens a lot of doors for him and he makes a lot of sales. <laughs> see there's and, power and the, there's power in the arrowwood name well and he comes back and tells me oh this person you remember them oh yeah i remember them. well they were talking about you and blah 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 and it's like 
it's all BS, really, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's all a connection. It's, it's, it's a way to connect. Yeah. So. And yeah. The, obviously, if they, and obviously you're, they aren't like, they don't see the Arrowhead name and go running. So that's positive. Yeah, like I do. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, unlike Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Get chased out of town with pitchforks. And <laughs> well, as long as they're, as long as they're you know, chasing with a ballast you're good. Yeah. Yeah, there Just you bring go. Out the bring out the loot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found some quotes. Um, Let's go. Yeah. Narrowed them down to three. Every hammer has the innate capacity to strike a nail. Every human mind has the innate capacity for greatness. But not every hammer is properly used, nor is every human mind. I did like that one. Amen. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll tell you what, there is an awful lot of that, examples of that going on now. Uh, I just log into, repeating... into my Facebook feed and I see that illustrated. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> not not hard to find. No, no, no. Here's another one. Another one I found. Just repeating a statement often and with great vehemence does not make it a fact. And no amount of repetition can make it a rash, make a rational person believe it. Well, that's what I see when I turn yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, on on no matter what issue you've got hard-headed people on both sides and yeah well people stop listen to each other people stop listening listening and that's the thing like it's okay to have an, your own opinion on it but but you know by god let's let's when do we become a society where jim you have an opinion and i may not agree with it but i can still listen to you and find out why you believe it and david you believe something different you know, when did we become a society where we no longer care what anyone else thinks yeah. but ourselves? You know, I, oh, I think yeah. that because, you know, I'm okay if I'm, if I'm okay with you believing what you want. If I can share a counterpoint, great. If you can listen to me and I can listen to you and we can still be friends at the end of the day, so be it. Yeah, it's called a dialogue. It is, you know. <laughs> Whoa. And there is no such thing anymore. That it's that word not... has left the you, language. You know, there was a New York Times columnist. This is my English teacher coming out of me, so just forgive me. About a 2005 article. So before the iPhone came out, this guy was talking about, he wrote an article called iPod World, and the subtitle was Narrowcasting Our Lives, and how people these days, what do they do? They narrow cast what they hear. So instead of the old days where you would listen to radio or watch a news channel and whatever they delivered you got, there was none of this cable crap that you would be able to like tune into your political correct version of the news. You just heard the news whether you believed it or not. So what have we done now with iPods, podcasts, and I love podcasts, mind you. Um, mm. But you know what we've done is we've chosen why well, I'm only going to listen to podcasts that agree with me. I'm only going to follow people on Facebook that agree with me or listen to people that agree with me and our views aren't challenged and we've, and we've seized the dialogue. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm sorry. Step off my soapbox now, but that, but that just yeah. makes me think of it. And I'm telling my students every year, I said, I hate election year cycles because no one listens to each other anymore. And we don't really have dialogue. It's just let's slam this person's title list. Let's pick apart this person. Oh, well, this person's doing this. And I'm not saying there's certainly not some issues in politics that we should be concerned about, but no one's listening to each other. Right. No, they are not. And which is leading to rather than 
the media reporting the news, but they are making the news. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these people that, how many, think about CNN. How many personalities can you name on CNN? There's quite a few. The 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 people that are supposed to be reporting the news have become celebrities. Mm-hmm. They're not reporters. Uh, all right, <laughs> but I'm <laughs> I'm with you. This quote is this quote is uh, a very good quote, and uh, I'm with you, Jim. This idea of discussions. Yeah. It's very good. Well, my last quote is uh, Gilbertus replying to Anari when she tells him that you're sentence your death sentence will not be rescinded this is the klingon coming out he says he says manford is a man of clear-cut convictions he follows a path that allows no room for learning or growth to his detriment this plays into our last conversation (laughs) yeah it does you know when when you don't have dialogue or discussions you leave no room to learn grow yeah and benefit from what other people have learned, grown, mm-hmm. and benefit mm-hmm. from. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, let's move on to some of our final thoughts here. Okay. Let's rate this book. Scott, you go first. Four. Four out of five. Yeah, I liked it. It was a good book. Yeah. Uh, not five out of five. I, I you know, I relegate that to very few books, but I really liked this book. Okay. Jim. Five. Easily Ooh, five. You get five to the last I love. Yeah, I I really am enjoying this series of books a lot. Okay. Probably because I know the people. Yeah. That and we're near the end, and so that's why he's enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> no, one more. I don't want him to end. I want him to continue on. Write more. I am ready. I well, me too. And and uh, but I am ready for us to get into some fresh material that's totally out of the Dune universe. Yeah, but, but oh, I do yeah. like this. But um, I'm going to give it a four, and here's why: it was almost a five. Um, but the quotes thing really bothered me, and uh, it was definitely a five in my head until the moment they stepped on Guinness, and it was the same old, same old ginaz scenario it was not it didn't feel like a proto ginaz or for lack of a better term of like a, a younger school or anything it felt like the exact same mind game stuff that duncan went through she wasn't there yeah. for very long but she was there to learn i guess a little bit in order to well she was going to do the whole thing and then she got called back right and i just i that that section is not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not like mm-hmm. this is a bad part of the book. I was just I lacked complete and total empathy with that story, and as a result, I got to give it a four out of five because it didn't. The first book, I think, I gave a five out of five, and uh, we'll see what happens in the next one. But still, I'm <laughs> probably if the third book holds up in the same like uh, quality as these last two, then this trilogy or if it becomes a quadrilogy or whatever uh is probably my favorite um brian herbert kevin j anderson set yeah i would have to go along with that the the prelude books and then this one Mm -hmm. oh very good very good 
Well, so what are we looking forward to? What do we think is going to happen in Navigators? Well, we know you think Erasmus is going to turn into a woman. That's right. Well, he does. <laughs> or inhabit or take on the form of Anna. Yeah. Go. Um, I am looking forward to the splitting of all the like things. And and the implementation of houses, like with uh, ranks. Um, I think that we are going to see the creation of Ix. I'm, I'm with, I like your theory, David. That was Jim. Oh, Jim, was that your theory? Yeah. I like the... I, I think we're going to see uh, Venport uh, being the head of the new X. Yeah, I think that would be cool too. I think that's I think that's actually a really great idea, Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to say it, but I think Vorian's luck is going to run out. Mm. I think we're going to yeah. lose Vorian Atreides. Yeah, well, that wouldn't surprise me. We had Gilbertus knocked off, so. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get more babies from him. Uh, I think Wilhelm will be the one that that starts. Okay. All right. Well, I can see Wilhelm starting that, but I, we might be surprised. He may um he may end up surviving. I definitely don't think that um that the Harkonnens are going to take out Vorian. No, because that hatred persists into the uh, you know the main Dune books. You're right. Right, that's true. So maybe he does something to get back and reignites it to an even greater. Well, you know, if he kills, you know, what Tori? What's her name? Tula. Tula. If he kills Tula, you better believe that um, the uh, the uh, sisterhood and the uh, and yeah. his father is not going to be liking Vorian too much. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, that was a lot to see there. Well, it's going to be a while. Till we have another book, September. couple months, September, September. Right? yeah, that's won't only be, two months. Won't be terrible. No, nope. won't be terrible. Um, we've got a listener feedback show coming up, so stay tuned for that and for information on our next. What we're going to be doing next? Our next adventure. Yeah, next adventure. Yeah, more info there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, don't let that stop you from letting us know what you think of the book, because when we come back, we will get right to your feedback. So. Um, if you want to get in touch with us in any type of way, great ways to do that. Facebook.com slash Dune Saga Podcast. Twitter.com slash Dune Saga Podcast. Email us at Dune Saga Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call the hotline. At 1260-577-CHAT. That's 1260-577-2428. Yep. Call now. Operators are standing by. There you go. <laughs> So once again for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. And I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And may Shai Hulud clear the path before you. <laughs>